0: Thank you for coming on today's podcast. We're going to be listening to Mel Bond about communion, a very thing very close to my heart. I try to do it daily and bless all the listeners. And we bless you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be blessed as we listen to this teaching on communion. turn your Bibles to 1st Corinthians and chapter 11. Communion is so vitally important and uh, so I want to talk about it. I want to share with you. Uh, I'm going to share some things with you that most likely you've never heard or not known before, but it's going to bless you. 1st uh, Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 29. It says, for he that eateth, or he or she that eateth and drinketh. Uh, most Bibles use the word uh, unworthily. However, that's really a, um, a mistranslation because of the fact that Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross so that we'd be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so... In the eyes of god everybody is worthy because jesus paid the price some people just don't know it and there that so that's the a major point another uh point is the fact in the original language that they could have used the word uh, irreverently and that's the correct translation and so if we partake of holy communion irreverently The Bible says, we're not discerning the Lord's body. For this calls, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. The word sleep, that in the original language, is they die prematurely. And so, if you partake of communion irreverently, then you can die prematurely and have sickness in your life. However, if you are reverent, If you have great reverence of esteeming, uh, the word discerning says to esteem, so you're exalting uh, Jesus, then you can have health and long life. So let me just say it this way. If we have communion and we do it reverently, esteeming, exalting what Jesus has done, it causes us to have a place to where that we have health you know i believe in divine healing the bible talks about it but what's better than divine healing is divine health you can get to the place to where that you just have divine health and then you have long life god wants us to have long life so now i want to share with you about communion we've got to understand as we study the bible there are Doctrines and there are ordinances And sometimes if we confuse the two and put them together and many times people Lump them together Then they miss out on some major truths that will bless their life for instance Hebrews in chapter 6 talks about the six fundamental doctrines of Christ every church that is a true church a church that God has ordained a church that God has approved—that they are a church—they have the foundations of the Word of God in that church. The same way with a human being or a Christian. If you're if you're a true Christian, approved of God, you have the fundamental doctrines of Christ in your life. And so there's six fundamental doctrines. In fact, I've written a book. It's a little mini book, the fundamental doctrines of Christ. I've got it. Completed for about three or four months now. And so we're just in the process of getting it in print Because most Christians I'm amazed most Christians don't know about the fundamental doctrines of Christ But one of the fundamental doctrines of Christ it says the doctrine of baptisms Not the doctrine of baptism, but the doctrine of baptisms, which is plural. And so as you study the Bible, there are three baptisms There's three baptisms and we need to have all three in our life. That's a foundation as a Christian that we need to have them. And so the most important baptism is to be baptized into the body of Christ. And the word baptism means to be submerged. And so when Jesus is the Lord of your life, then you have been baptized into the body of Christ. Acts chapter two, and we can spend a lot of time talking about this, but it'll give you some homework, but Acts in chapter two and verse thirty-eight spells it out pretty plain where that um here God says that you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus before you can receive the Holy Ghost. Before and then it talks about being baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. Same same book. Acts in chapter two and verse four. They were baptized with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke in tongues. And so you cannot be baptized in the Holy Ghost until you've been baptized into the body of Christ. And and, and I've had people over the years that they'll talk to me and say, you know, I need to be baptized in water because there's scriptures that really shows clearly if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus, then you're not going to go to heaven or if you're not and then there's other verses that say that unless you're baptized You can't go to heaven. So they think Well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I've never been baptized in water So I'm not going to go to heaven and so they've confused the doctrine With the ordinance There is a doctrine of baptism When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior Then you've been baptized into the body of Christ that's a major doctrine however people have confused the ordinance which is water baptism with being baptized in the name of jesus and the only way that you can be saved is in the name of jesus you have to accept jesus as your lord and so water baptism thank god we should do that at least one time in our life because the bible says and it's an ordinance however water is not going to get you to heaven you know, if 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 Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, then you can get in that water, and you're a dry sinner. And then when you go down, you just come back, and you're still a wet sinner. It's just it's a symbol. It's it, you're you're telling the world, you know, it's it's a symbol. It's sort of like a wedding ring. You can wear a wedding ring, and and what you're saying to the world is, I'm dedicated to that lady or that man. However, there's a lot of people who wear wedding rings and they're not dedicated anymore. They are with the ring or without it. And so it's just a symbol of saying what's really in my heart. And so a real wedding starts in the heart. And so a real baptism is to be baptized in the name of Jesus by accepting Jesus as your Lord. And so that's a doctrine. And then I said there's three doctrines, the fundamental doctrines of Christ, that doctrine of baptisms the second baptism is to be baptized in the holy ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues so there's there's two doctrines to be saved that's the baptism and to be baptized in the holy ghost that's another doctrine and then the ordinance is water to be baptized in water so as we study the bible also there is there is the doctrine of communion and most people confuse it. I'm surprised. Most people confuse the doctrine of, com- of, of communion with the ordinance of communion. The, the doctrine of communion is communicating with God. The word communion, both in the Greek and the Hebrew and in your modern day English Bibles, you take the word communion and it coequally, a synonymous term, is communication communion communication and then as you look at your bible you find the word prayer and the word prayer means to communicate with god and so the word communion communication and prayer are synonymous terms and so let me say this and thank god for the ordinance of communion And you should do it at least one time in your life. Jesus only did it one time. So we should do it one time. Now, because of pastoring, Don and I have been pastoring full-time since 1972, and I can't teach this every week. And I can't teach this every month. And so there's so many people that will be offended because tradition has taught them you've got to take the grape juice and the cracker because the Bible says so. And so they're offended and so i can't justify the situation every time so we have the ordinance every so often however as i study the bible i see where people they take scriptures that are so clear and so plain and i can show you scriptures where that it mentions communion and it says upon the first day of the week and so some churches and some people think that you need to have the ordinance, drink grape juice and eat a cracker upon the first day of the week every week and then I can find some where it says you should do it often and uh, there's some people and there's scripture it looks it, it talks about having communion daily and then I find other scriptures that says we ought to do it often throughout our day. well I can't pack with me grape juice and crackers. every hour drink grape juice and crackers and guess what as you study the Bible and I'm going to show you this that grape juice and crackers is not going to remind you what Jesus did but communion with God and the only way you can have communion with God communication is through the word Jesus said John chapter 14 verse 6 he says no man cometh to the Father but by me, and who is Jesus? He says, I am the truth, the life, and the way. Revelation 19 says, Jesus is the word of God. And he's in John chapter 4, verse 24. You can't even worship or communicate with God. That word worship is to communicate with God unless you do it in spirit and in truth. The only way that you can talk to God is bring to his remembrance what he said in his word. And so, if you don't know what the Word of God says, you can't have prayer to God. You can't have communication with God. You can't have communion with God. And so, true communion is prayer and communication with God throughout your whole day. Often, as often as you do this, you show and esteem the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the word of God. And this is how that you have health and long life, and long life. And so let's see what, uh, we're, we're gonna look at some of the scriptures to validate this a little bit more. I'm gonna show you what Jesus had to say. Turn your Bibles to the book of John in chapter six. And again, I'm not taken away from the ordinance I'm not taking away at all. We should do it because the Bible says so, but the real truth of the matter is Jesus only did it one time. So we you should really do it once in your life. But again, I'm going to reiterate, we do this every so often just so that people aren't offended because they don't know any better, but we're going to put this on YouTube where people can really understand it and they'll say, "Well, you know, your church doesn't take communion every month or the first day of the week. How come you don't do that? Are you wrong? Well, they can just look at this and see what the Bible has to say because this is the truth, the life, and the way. We need to follow the word of God. And so look here what Jesus had to say about communion in John chapter 6, and look at verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, Moses gave not the bread from heaven, moses gave bread physical bread but he didn't give the bread from heaven who is the bread from heaven it's jesus and we'll show you that but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven moses couldn't do it he only gave natural bread but there is a bread that comes from heaven and then verse 33 jesus said for the bread of god spiritual the bread of god is he he's talking about himself jesus jesus is the bread of life that's the reason why jesus said in matthew 4 4 he says man or woman cannot live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god so he's saying you can have all the bread you want and you're not going to get life that comes from god but you need to have the bread of heaven in order to have life, abundant life, and so Jesus many times used illustrations to help us to understand. Just like bread, like communion, we need to have liquids to to live, and so he used the grape juice in reference to that. And we have to have bread to live naturally, and so he's saying there is a natural. Substance that you need To stay alive physically And so now we understand that and see just as you need these substances naturally well Spiritually you need to have some spiritual bread and I can always tell if somebody Hasn't been if they haven't eaten for a few days You show me somebody and they haven't eaten for three or four days the first thing that you'll find out They're cranky. They're cranky because they're unhappy. They're kind of miserable. And you show me somebody that's full of bread, natural bread. They have all the best of food that they want, and they're cranky. I'll show you somebody that hasn't had communion with our Heavenly Father. Because He is the fullness of life. He gives you joy and so sometimes if I have a tendency to get a little cranky Then I know I need to eat some more of the Word of God I'm telling you what you cannot have a foul spirit feeding on the Word of God You can't do it because see it builds your spirit up. You can't get discouraged. You can't get depressed By feeding on the Word of God. It will pick you up so let's go on verse 33 jesus said for the for god for the bread of god is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world and then he said in verse 34 then he said unto them lord evermore give us this bread and jesus said unto them i am the bread of life he that cometh to me shall not never hunger anymore he that believeth on me shall never thirst there is a spiritual thirst and a spiritual hunger that is totally satisfied when you feed on the Word of God. When you feed on the Word. That's the reason why I started memorizing the Word of God. Because there's too many times that I'm busy nat- naturally. I can remember when I was 17 years of age, that year I memorized over 200 verses because it helped me. It made me happy. And it kept the demons away. It's, demons can't handle the Word of God. And I was a heavy equipment operator at first, and so I would, I'd be, I'd have to drive all of this equipment all day long. And so I can't read the Word of God while I'm doing this. But I'll tell you what, if I've got it memorized, I got, I got the, the God Almighty with me, because no man com- can communicate with God outside of the Word. And so if I've got the Word. I've got God with me. 24 7. And so then goes on in verse 47. Jesus said again, Verily I say unto you, he or she that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna, natural food, in the wilderness, and they're dead. I'm telling you what, again, I'm not taken away from the ordinance of communion but you can drink grape juice and crackers until the cows come home and it's not going to give you divine life. It's not going to pick you up when the devil comes against you, but communing with God, I can just partake of that 24-7, from morning to night. Then it goes in, in verse 50, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven. Knows how many times he talks about The bread of heaven that a man may eat or a woman therefore and not die I am the living bread which came down from heaven if any man or woman eat of this bread he or she shall live forever and the bread that I will give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world now let's look what Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 26 and in this particular uh, passage jesus is talking about the time that he had the ordinance this is the first time the ordinance was ever established on the face of the earth and jesus was with his disciples and they uh, did the ordinance and uh, here in matthew chapter 26 and verse 26 it says and they were eating Jesus took bread. He took physical, natural bread, and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. However, the word body in the Greek, figuratively, he's saying figuratively, it's my body. It's not literally my body, but this, this bread is in reference to me. And he took the cup. And he gave it and gave thanks to them, saying, "Drink all of it. This is my blood, figuratively. That's what he in in the Greek. He was saying this is not my literal, physical blood, but it represents my blood." And then he went on to say, "The New Testament, which is shed for the many for the remission of sins." And so you see in Matthew chapter twenty-six jesus is clearly saying the blood is the new testament you see that he says the blood is the so he's he's talking about the blood at that particular time it was grape juice he was and he said this represents the new testament you've got to partake of the new testament you need liquid in your physical body and you need the new testament in your spiritual body and then i can bring this out as strong we just looked at it in John he referenced the bread as himself he says I am the bread that came from heaven this I am the bread that God sent and so again who is Jesus the word what is the New Testament the word and so the grape juice and the bread both are in reference to the Word of God now we can look at first corinthians go back there where we started in chapter 11 where that the apostle paul was talking about the ordinance and the doctrine again the ordinance is the symbolic form of jesus death and resurrection the price that he paid so that we can have the word of god it represents the word of god it represents that you need the Word of God to have, to be void of sickness, diseases, and have long life. I want to teach you how to have long life because Don and I were staying. That I found out in the Word of God that we can have long life. And I know that, you know, I'm a little different. Most people don't believe all the Word of God, they just pick and choose. I believe the whole thing. And as I study the Bible, I see Methuselah lived 969 years. Did you ever read that? Lived 969. And then he died. Well, as I study the Bible, I see that we have a new covenant established upon better promises. When you relax, you're surrendering. The word relax in the original language of the Bible is surrender, yield, and to accept. God wants you to accept. There it is, that, 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 that warmth you feel is God's miracle power. Okay, now Kathy, just stand up and, and, and do something with your hands and your neck that was difficult to do before. It was hard to raise this up and I also had to do in my breast area. And they, they you know examined me a couple of times but they never could come up with anything, a plan that would do anything for me. Okay. So that's why I also relied on God. Okay. I always believed that he would heal me. Okay, move, move back and forth. Yeah do what was difficult yes Jesus. how much better are you thank you amen man god a good god amen yes. i've got a special offer for you that'll be a tremendous enhancement to your life i promise you and uh, it's offer number 80 and it's for 35 dollars and what you're going to get you'll get my book uh why jesus appears to people today and then you're going to get this dvd and um the title of it is jesus wants to appear to you and so you can get this by calling the church the numbers on the screen or go to melbourne.com and go to the bookstore section and you can get that offer that way hello dear friend god wants you to be filled with his fullness as i study the bible i find there's many scriptures in the bible That are very clear like ephesians chapter 3 verse 19 where the bible plainly teaches us that god says he wants us to know how much he loves us unconditionally that passes all knowledge and this will cause us to be filled with the fullness of god if we're filled with the fullness of god then john chapter 14 verse 12 through 14 will become a reality in our life that we can do the works of jesus and greater so that god could be glorified and so that people would be blessed and so that you would be blessed and it all hinges on us knowing the great depths of love that god has for us well since 1974 i have studied intensely the original languages of the bible from genesis to revelation and i found a great Amount of verses and words a huge amount of verses and words that go into much greater detail in the original language Showing us the great depths of God's unconditional love that he has for the human race And I've taken all of that information all of those verses and all of those words and I've placed it in the King James Bible I now have it in print. We have a Bible that is called the King James truth version it's made first class with genuine leather, and it has all that information, so that you can know how much God loves you. It passes all knowledge, so that you could be filled with the fullness of God. You can get your copy, if you would like, by going to our website, which is melbond.com. Go to the bookstore section, and you'll find the Bible there, and it's for $125 if you want one copy. If you want two copies, you can get Two of them for $200, and this takes in shipping and handling. I am absolutely convinced that this Bible is going to be a major tool that's going to bring in the great harvest, going to bring many people into the kingdom of God. Many people are going to be blessed. God's going to be glorified, and uh, you're going to be filled with God's fullness, and that's a tremendous desire of God. God wants you to be filled with his fullness. Thank you for watching Last Day Signs and Wonders with Mel Bond. For more teaching and information, check out our website at melbond.tv or write us at Agape Church, P.O. Box 306, Wentzville, Missouri, 63385. Signs and Wonders. Come in and the rapture will take place. Amen. So now we're going to take you right into the service, and I want to talk about the devices of the devil, the devices of the devil. And um, some of the things I'm going to share with you this morning, I want to share with you the most powerful thing that the devil has, the greatest force he's got, and how we can be victorious over that. Now, it's like this. If we can be victorious over the most powerful thing that the devil does, Everything else is a piece of cake. Everything else is a piece of cake. And I've got some inside information. You know, sometimes that we may see some things that looks really big and bad. It looks like it's gonna overtake us. However, if you get inside information, it's a different story. And it makes me, I was sitting there thinking about this, and I've told this story briefly before, but I I feel like the, the Holy Spirit brought that to my attention again. When I was a, a, a young boy, that I used to go to the boys club and I would do some boxing. You know, my dad was a professional boxer and it just kinda, I was just kind of gifted with, the, with, with boxing. And uh, so I remember that I went to box that particular day and my coach was there and I seen a guy in the ring and he was a whole lot bigger than me and I knew, I was in the eighth grade and he was in the eighth grade also but he had failed like one or two grades he was bigger than every all the other boys and he was a bully uh, everybody was afraid of him in school everybody was afraid he was bigger he, he'd just push you you know he'd see you he'd just push you around everybody's afraid of him and he was in the ring and man, i mean fear came all over me and it you know and i'm, I'm supposed to be there this is my appointed time to box and The coach is gonna have somebody in there that I'm supposed to box. He had him in there. And I told the coach, I said, I said, I'm not getting that ring with him. No way. I says, he's the meanest, toughest boy in school. He beats everybody up. And I said, I'm not getting that ring with him. And the coach pulled me aside. He says, Mel, I want to tell you something. He says, I've seen him box and I've seen you box. And it's a piece of cake. He says I promise you will beat him. You 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 are so much better of a boxer than him. So I got in the ring because the coach told me that and I trusted him. I trusted my coach. Now we have another coach that you can trust and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world and your coach, the Lord Jesus Christ tells you so. So I got in the ring and I, I've never fought a guy in the ring that was such a lousy boxer. That guy did not know how to fight. He asked, and I'm just looking at him like, are you crazy throwing your arms like that? And so he's throwing his arms all different directions. And I just stayed out of his way, let him wear himself out. And then I just walked in and one punch and knocked him out cold. One punch. First ring. Only one fight. And I'm telling you what. The devil is throwing a hissy today. The devil is lying. He's, he, he's saying he's going to do all kinds of junk to us, but I've got some inside information that we've got a name that's above every name. It's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to share these things with you. And And I'm really excited about this. You know, the Bible says in the last days that God will reveal things that he's never revealed before. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians in chapter 2, verse 11. And, um, you know, many years ago that... Uh, Uh, I I was born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, 1958, and it was June the 17th. It was a Tuesday morning, I was seven years old. And I had some bad things happen and I got away from God, but I got back to God at the age of 17. And I have committed my life on a daily basis of praying And just being infatuated with God and studying his word and memorizing his word. I probably have at least half of the New Testament memorized word for word. Just because I'm infatuated with it. And then in 1974, I started studying the original languages of the Bible. And daily, I'm infatuated with it. And I said all that to say this. What I'm about to teach you this morning, I have read... I don't know, maybe thousands of times. Memorize some of these passages, I've gotta memorize. There's some of my, well, I've got a lot of favorite passages. But this is just, means a lot to me, it has helped me a lot. And the Holy Spirit, just this week, breathed on this and showed me something I would never seen before. And it, he showed me how the, the devil's strongest, most powerful thing that he does Against the human race that we can easily have victory over it And if we have victory in the the strongest thing that he can do all the other things Is simple so let me let me share this with you second corinthians in chapter 2 and verse 11 it says Least satan should get an advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices And so the devil can get advantage over us if we're ignorant we don't know about his devices and so i looked at the word devices and in the greek it says this coequally it's rendered as the devil's thoughts the devil's thoughts are the devil's devices now there's all kinds of thoughts that may come against us in every area that you can think of every area that we have a trial or a test that it's a, a different device. You know, maybe along the lines of healing, the devil, can he'll, he'll lie to us and say, no, that's not even in the Bible. That doesn't exist. Or that's not going to come to you. That's a device. That's a lie. Or that you'll always live in poverty. That, you know, it's always been in your, your, your family. And it's, you know, those are all. And so we could just talk about probably hundreds of different areas that the devil attacks the human race. And they're all... The devil's devices. They're all the devil's thoughts. And so now we can have advantage over him if we understand the devices of the devil. This is a device of the devil. Now, the the Webster's Dictionary says a device is a mechanical tool that you use. I have two of those at home, one in my garage, and I have an old barn, and I have a... A device, and it's called a vice. A vice is a tool that is a device, and I can take that vice. Now, some of you women may not know what a vice is, but it's a tool, and you can put the hardest metal that exists, and you crank it until these jaws come on it and hold it, and it'll hold it tight, and you can do anything you want with that piece of metal. I don't care how strong and how powerful it is, that you can grind it down and make it into another image. You have full control if you put that thing in that vice and just crank it down. Well, the devil, his vice is thoughts. And if we will let the devil's thoughts, if we'll accept them, that he'll crank us down and control our Minds, our bodies, our finances—anything that has to do with us—he has full control. He will change our image. He'll take—he'll take a man that was born to be a man and make him into a homosexual because of thoughts. He'll take a, a, a person that is born a good person and make them into a bad person because it all starts with thoughts. He'll change who you are if you accept his thoughts. And so I want you to look, Let's we're going to stay right here in 2 Corinthians. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians and chapter 4 and verse 4 and it says, In whom the God of this world, small case G in reference to Satan, sometimes in the New Testament, we find the word God is theos, and it can be used for Satan, and it can be used for God. If it's used in a, uh, a bad sense, then it's the devil. And here they did an excellent job. They addressed it correctly with the small case G in reference to Satan. He may be the God in this world, but he's not our God. We have the large case G as our God. So it says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. Let's examine this. So the devil, he blinds the minds of people that believe not. And this word minds is coequally the same word that we looked at in 2 Corinthians And chapter uh, 2 and verse, we we just read 2 and verse 11. A device. And so here, mind can be rendered as a device or rendered as a thought. And so Satan blinds the minds. He blinds our minds, blinds people that believe not with thoughts. And the the word believe, that in the Greek it says that... um, Those that do not trust in God. And so as you study the Bible, you find that God and his word are synonymous terms. So people that will not trust God because of a thought, the devil keeps them from what? Having the glorious gospel, which is the image of God right here. That word glorious is the Greek word doxa. It has the fuller meaning as the reputation of God. And I've beat this drum a lot, and I'm gonna beat it until the rapture takes place. John chapter 17, Jesus prayed that we would have the glory of God. I won't go into details of that. I can spend a half an hour, and I've already done that many times. But he prayed we'd have the glory of God. The same word doxa, the reputation of God. So Jesus always got his prayers answered. So the whole human race has it. Most of them just don't know it because their eyes have been blinded. Most Christians don't know it because their minds have been blinded. Their life has been blinded and they've been cheated out of it because they don't want to trust God because the devil says, you're not good enough. You're not good enough or whatever. All kinds of thoughts telling us why we can't have the reputation of God. But Jesus said, he prayed that we'd have it, so we've got it. But the devil blinds us. Now here's something I want to bring out. Now we're looking at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, for all the promises of God, the promises of God is in reference to God's words. God's words are his promises. And so it says all the promises of God in God is yea. In the Greek it says a strong affirmation, yes. All the promises of God are yes and amen unto the glory of God by us. The reputation of, the same word glory, the reputation of God it's by us. By us. The image of God is by us. For 2,000 years, Christians have been waiting for some kind of a sensation. I said sensation. I didn't say spiritual thing. Sensation is of the five physical sentence. They're, they're, they're waiting for some physical sensation that God has done something for them. And they keep on waiting. Don't get into the senses realm Get into the supernatural realm Your senses will lie to you Your five physical senses will lie to you But God's word Is higher than your five physical senses It doesn't make any difference If you feel like God is here or not He's here because he said he'd never leave you Never forsake you So it's okay to go by our physical senses God wants us to use our five physical senses Until they start contradicting the word of God Then it's time to go to a higher level and believe God's word. So, we have the glory of God. See, Jesus prayed we'd get it. Now, here God tells us in in his word that this glory is gonna take place, but it's by us. It's it's by us. Now, in 2 Corinthians in chapter three, 12 times, and, and we can just stay here for an hour or two, but you go home, give, I'm giving you some homework, and you'll see in chapter three, 12 times, it talks about the glory of God that belongs to us. The glory of God. And it, it, it sums it up in verse 18. It says, we all with an open face. And, and this the open face in the Greek, it says, with an uncovered uh, mindset. And it goes on to say, like looking into a mirror. By looking into a mirror. We're, and so you could read it this way. We all, by looking into a mirror as in a glass, the glory, the reputation of God, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Examining exactly this, we're changed by, as if we would look into a mirror. Now, I don't look the same way I did when I got out of bed this morning. I got out of bed at about five minutes to six. I don't look the same. I don't want to scare you. So I looked in the mirror, and I made some changes. And I even got, I've got two mirrors, one where I look so I can see the back of my head because I don't see the back of my head, and I, and I don't want my, the back of my head look like last year's bird nest. So I straightened up everything. I looked in the mirror and made some changes. Here's what's so good. We look into the mirror of God's word and we change because we believe God's word and we change to be more like him. We change from the reputation of God to the reputation of God. I'm telling you, you cannot exhaust all the blessings that God has for you. I remember many years ago, and I wrote a little book about this, The Unimaginable Love of God. Ephesians in chapter 3, verse 19, God gives us the commandment, the invitation. He said, I want you to know the love that I have for you that passes all knowledge. And when I read that, I looked into the Greek, and it said the same words. And I said, God, I said, how can that possibly be? There must be a mistake some kind of way, because if it passes all knowledge, then it means it passes your knowledge. How can there possibly be a love that you have for me, the human race, that passes all knowledge? He's real simple. He says, nobody's ever discovered how much love I have for the human race. But if one person ever discovers how much love I've got, I'll just invent some more that goes deeper. And so God goes from glory to glory. The promotions with God never stops. Like in the military, you know, it's a, I always love to have Brother Ray with us. He's in the military, and I'd like to salute him, that he's uh, got a couple more years, he's going to retire. And he's the highest rank as an enlisted man would be Sergeant Major. You're not Sergeant Major yet. Don't care if you are. You just want Ray to get out with your retirement. But so in the military... In man's military, the United States military, if you're enlisted, man, sergeant major is high as you can go. And God's army, it doesn't stop. You go sergeant major plus sergeant major plus sergeant major. They just, you just keep on going from glory to glory. Have you been to the doctor for any problems? No. You haven't? No. Have you got any discomfort in your body? Oh, yeah. I got a whole sheet of stuff. You I- got it. <laughs> reaching out and just touching you with the unconditional love of God because uh, we're doing this in faith the TV ministry is a huge giant step of faith for us but we're doing it because uh, the Lord told us to reach out and touch the world with the unconditional love of God and that's what we're doing but I want to share this message a real good message today and the title would be that Satan has no power unless we give him ours this will set you free thank you for tuning in turn your bibles to the book of first corinthians in chapter two right around verse six and what i want to show you is that uh from a scriptural standpoint when jesus when he died on the cross when he went to hell he defeated the devil and uh Rendered him useless in the Greek it says rendered him useless Rendered him without any power stripped him of all his power and uh, And that's what took place and uh, and so He has been put to naught the Bible says And so we're gonna look at this and then we're gonna look at the train of thought. Well, if he is powerless How come he's got so much power? And the reason is he takes our power and he perverts it, the power that God has given us. And I'm going to show you how we can stop him and his kingdom. When I'm talking about Satan, I'm also talking about demonic forces, the kingdom of darkness, uh, Satan and his demons. Look here, First Corinthians in chapter 2. And uh, let's see. Okay. Verse six: Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are pa- uh, that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, and that were naught. In the the Greek, it says uh, they've been made void or of none effect. Talking about the princes of this world, Satan's kingdom, and uh, so. We see the same train of thought in the book of Ephesians, chapter two, so just a few pages over, and uh, verse fifteen talking about what God did through Jesus when Jesus hung on the cross, verse 15, you can read the whole chapter, but I'm just getting right to the point. Having abolished his flesh, I'm sorry, in his flesh, the enmity, even the law. And and so the word abolished in the Greek is exactly the same word uh, put to knot in Colossians two 15. We'll look at that in a minute. But I, I wrote it in my Bible, the full meaning of the word abolish this is what jesus did to satan and his kingdom maybe we'll back or go a little bit further the word enmity in the uh the greek that it says uh especially satan for that word enmity and so he abolished satan on the cross and, and look at verse 16 real quick and that he might reconcile both God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity, or Satan, thereby. So when Jesus died on the cross, Satan was slain. He was abolished in verse 15. The word abolished, this is what it says in the Greek, the fuller meaning. It says, to render useless without effect, make void no force. So look in, in the book of Colossians, in chapter 2, and you see it again. Okay, in verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was contrary, I'm sorry, that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now here, I'm going to get off the subject just a little bit. Right here in verse 14, and, and talking about how what Jesus did when he died on the cross, he blotted out handwriting and ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he nailed it on the cross. Every an ordinance is law every law of the devil everything that was contrary to humanity anything that's contrary is it's not good things it says those things that are against us sickness disease lack of joy all those anything that's against you that's not for you when jesus died on the cross he nailed that to the cross And it's, we don't have it anymore. And then on top of it, verse 15, and he spoiled principalities and powers. And the word spoiled in the Greek, it says that the same word, uh, same definition as what we looked at in the last verse, but it said he stripped him. And so Satan has been stripped of all his power, of all his authority, all sickness and all disease, that comes from Satan and his kingdom. It's a, it, it's, it doesn't exist anymore. It's contrary to us. And it doesn't exist. In one sense. So how does Satan do this? How come he has power? Then why do we have to rebuke the devil? Why are we at war with the devil? All of these trains of thought. Why is Satan still on the rampage when he's been put to naught, when he's been spoiled, why? Real simple, real simple. I think it was in 1999, and this is just one illustration, I think it was in 1999 in Oklahoma City, you remember the, the bombing. And what took place there was, and there was 168 people that were murdered. Children, men and women. lot of children killed and there were over 600 people that were wounded and there was over 650 million dollars worth of damage because of one man took something that is incredibly good and he perverted it he went to a like a co-op dealer a dealer that sells fertilizer for our fields that helps us to have crops Good fertilizer and he turned the fertilizer into a bomb and he just made destruction It was all it was something that was made good Made for good But satan perverted it and destroyed lives Well Satan has no power But see as you study the bible That god has given us the authority and the power the Bible plainly te- teaches us that he's given us a name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. All the authority and all the, uh, the, the power that Jesus had Ephesians in chapter 1, the Bible plainly teaches us. And there's a lot of good teaching how that we have now the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to challenge everybody. It'll change your life. Get Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen Sr.'s book, The Authority of the Believer. It'll change your life. It's changed this whole world. Every country I go to, they know about the authority of the the believer. But 40 years ago, some of those countries, they knew nothing about the authority of the believer. That book has changed our world because Christians now know that they have authority over the devil. So we have authority. We have power. In fact, the Bible plainly teaches us that God spoke the worlds into existence in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse two with the power of his word. So God's word is the power of God, Romans 1 16. It's the word of God, is the power of God. And so we have God's power. God's word has created power that he can create still yet. And we can take his word and that's what we do we create health in people's bodies. Um, A young lady from St. Peter's, I forgot your name, Claude, Claudine, Clotine, Clotine. She came in here Wednesday night with all kinds of problems in her body, all kinds of sickness, different problems. I forgot all of them. Come in here, she had to have a walker. Would you mind standing? Where's your walker at today? It's at home. Amen. Amen. what God do for you Wednesday night? Help you with your knees? I would like to put my knees later, so. Okay, we'll do that. My orthopedic doctor says I need new kneecaps and I don't, I'm going to trust the Lord for that. Well, God can give you some new ones. Exactly. Amen. Okay, thank you. And see, so God's power, God's word has creative power. And he's given it to us. We can create wealth. You know, I mean, he said. He said in the book of Isaiah. You know, he says that I will give you that power. So with that, he says that he's going to turn uh, brass into gold. And he said, ask me and I'll show you these things. And so there's power in speaking God's word. So that's exactly the reason why Satan has power. Just like this man that went to the elevator and the farmer's elevator and bought the fertilizer that was meant for good and perverted it and killed people and the devil Is killing people today Because he's taking God's power That God has given us And he's perverting it And killing people with it I'm going to show you how this is going on But let's look at You can look there maybe go home In Isaiah chapter 14 The Bible says when this is all over when, when, When we come to the end of this world That people will narrowly Look at Satan And look at it and say Is this The thing, the man that made the world to tremble, destroyed cities and human lives. How could this possibly be? This little nothing wimp. In essence, I'm putting the Melbourne version on that. But I'll tell you, if you look in the Hebrew, it probably even puts more authority on that. The devil is paralyzed another uh, version says that he's been put to naught. but here's what he does and demonic forces they have no power they have no authority until we give them our words our words is what gives the devil authority in daniel in chapter 10 you find the story of how that daniel was praying and uh an angel came, I believe it was Gabriel, came to Daniel and he says, I have come for your words. In Revelation, uh, in chapter 5, I believe it is, where it talks about a third of the angels were cast out of heaven with Satan and they have the same makeup, the same character. They have no power, but they come for words. They come for words. They're useless and less. We give them our words. Our words is what will give them strength. Now, I know a lot of people don't want to go along with that, but you need to read the Bible. And then you see in Proverbs, in chapter 6, where the Bible says that you're snared with the words of your mouth. You're taken. The word snared. You're captured. The devil can capture us by the words of our mouth. Are we giving the devil honor with the words of our mouth? Are we are our words in agreement with God's word? Are they in agreement with what circumstances have to say? When you speak contrary to the word of God. Proverbs in chapter where's it 14? I think verse 12 it says death and life are in the power of your tongue. We kill ourselves with our words. Now, Mama, Grandpa had this problem. Mama had this problem. Now I got it. No, no, no. I've got a new lineage. You've got a new lineage. Jesus is the Lord of your life. Demon spirits are coming for our words. Demons have a desire to manifest themselves. In the natural world because they're spirit and so their greatest desire or demons is to manifest themselves in this natural world a demon of hatred comes into an individual and makes them a hateful person they want to express themselves in this world and their highest priority is a human if they can't find a human then they go into animals and right we've seen that happen one time don and i we bought a parakeet because we wanted a parakeet this was years ago when we lived down in texas 707 lizzie street and we had this parakeet and every time we'd walk by that par- parakeet i mean he'd just attack the, and just go wild against against that cage and if you try to put your hand in there to feed him he'd claw you and bite you and he was just demon possessed and so he couldn't get, the demon couldn't get into us. And so he wanted to find something that was close to us. And he couldn't get in our kids, couldn't, and so he'd gotten that bird. And so we just started casting that demon out. And, I, and as God is my judge, it didn't take too long. You can stick your hand in there. And that was the gentlest bird you, we ever had. In fact, he'd jump on our hand. We'd open up the cage just within a couple of weeks. He'd fly all over the room, all over the house, and then come back to our hand. Demons want to express themselves in this natural world and the way they do that is with words If with words we give them power and so let's go on I want you to see this in a little bit greater detail in the book of uh, Matthew in chapter 12. Jesus talked about it Oh, I wish people could see in the spirit world the way that I do I wish people could see. There's times I've seen demons. I can remember one particular man, and I've seen this demon on him, and I, to- and, and, and I told that demon to leave, and he just smiled and looked at me. And this is what he said. He said, I don't have to leave because Bob still loves me. This man's name was Bob. That's what he said. That's what he, that's what he said. He says, I don't have to leave because Bob loves me. And I told him, that, and then this is what I said. I said, but I don't. And so you're going to leave while you're in my presence and then he left but people they have demons that just stay with them because of their words our words give them permission to have authority and power in our life to cause destruction whatever and so Everything that is a reality in the natural world. It's first a reality in the spirit world And i'd rather give god my words i'm not going to speak some words That's going to give the devil and demon forces power to use god's power to destroy my life I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Look here. Jesus talked about it in matthew in chapter 12 And now he notice in verse 28 He's talking about casting out devils. And then in verse 30, and we see verse 29 is sandwiched in between verse 28 and verse 30. And then he said, he that is not with me is against me. And then we see where in Luke, that Jesus said the same thing in Luke chapter 11, verse uh, 23. And then he explained who the he was in verse 24. He says, that's a demon spirit. And so real plainly, we're talking about demons. And uh, I know a lot of people, they say, oh, we don't want to talk about demons today. You know, it scares people. Not if you tell them the truth. If you tell them the truth. And, uh, And the truth of the matter is that it's like I've said in my book, Understanding Your Worst Enemy, if we go to war, you better know your enemy. You better know him because... He can be camouflaged and standing right next to you and shove a bayonet right in your heart. And you think he's your friend. And that's the reason why I remember when I was in the military and in basic training, I don't remember anything being taught about our comrades. The only thing I remember is being taught about our enemy. We we were learning about the Vietnamese, you know, and that they were coming against us. And, and we We were learning what kind of food they liked, where they slept, all all their their characteristics and how they operate, how they function. And uh, we need to know the enemy. As you study your Bible, study it again, you'll find Jesus talked a whole lot more about demons and hell than he did heaven and angels, because heaven's not going to hurt you. Angels are not going to hurt you, but demons are assigned to us to destroy us. It'll cripple you if you don't know your enemy. And I, I'm not afraid of the devil. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. The right teaching, the Bible plainly teaches us, we have a name that's above every name. And and Jesus teaches us in his word that Satan is horrified when you use the word of God against him. It destroys him. And uh, it causes him to vanish. In the Greek, it says he vanishes Another translation says he, he flees as in terror. And so I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of poverty. I commanded to leave in Jesus' name or anything else. I'm not afraid of cancer. I'm not afraid of cancer. Cancer's not gonna get me. I've got a name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. You know, I can remember Brother Hagen many years ago. He said he was in a church and, uh, he said, man, the, it, I think it was the Hong Kong flu came through that area. And everybody was getting the Hong Kong flu. And it was like 90% of the people didn't show up in church because they had the flu. They canceled out all the, the sport events and everything in that city because everybody getting the flu. And he stood up and he says, I want you to know right now that I have authority over flu and the devil. And I'll not get the flu in Jesus' name. And he says, when he went to sit down on the platform, the pastor kind of whispered to him. He says, aren't you afraid to say that? He said, I'd be afraid to say that because you begin to say that, the devil will come right after you. We don't have to be afraid of the devil. We have authority over him. Amen. In the name of Jesus. When you use the name of Jesus, things have to change so anyway we're talking about demon spirits in verse 28 and then in verse 30 and then verse so it's real plain that's the subject matter it would be out of text out of context if verse 29 was talking about a different subject the introduction and the ending it's talking about demons and then in verse 29 it says or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. Remember in 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, the Bible says, uh, casting down strongholds. And so the devil can have a stronghold, but we cast them down. We bind them and they can't spoil us. They can't spoil us. Now to give more validity to this, as well as teaching us how we can bind them. And in the same chapter, if you would read on, you could read all of it, but I'm going to get right to the point in verse 36. But And Jesus said this, but I say unto you that every idle word that men or women speak, they shall give an account. The word idle in the Greek, this is what it says, a useless word. A useless word. And so, as you study the Bible, there's only kingdoms. Two kingdoms. The kingdom of of God and the kingdom of Satan. And so, even an idle word, a useless word, that demons will use it against us. He'll use it against us. And so, what we need to make sure is that every word is giving honor to God. It's real simple. This is how we bind the strong man. And then it goes on and says in verse 37, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. The word condemned is to be punished. And justified is to be innocent. And so if you want to be punished, God's not going to punish us, but the devil will. He'll take God's words that has creative power and he'll create in us problems in our life. And I don't want any problems. Do you? And so it's it's pretty exciting because to me, when we really understand this, we've had so many people in the world, they've got this mindset that Satan and his demons, they're all so powerful and they're running around to destroy us because they've got so much power, but they have none, unless we give it to them. And so he's he's paralyzed. You know, God gave me this illustration many years ago. Oh, probably 25 years ago, and I, it, it's probably been about 10 years since I've shared it. So I'll share it this morning. I think it's neat. And uh, before you can have any victory, you have to have a battle. How can you have a testimony unless you've had a test? Being victorious in a test gives you a testimony. And uh, just, just like Shelly was telling them, they, she, they had a test last week. Limited finances. And they, and they find all of this money and all of this blessing. Well, now she has a testimony. Isn't that neat? And so if you have a problem this week, turn it into a testimony. And so anyway, the Lord gave me this illustration because the Bible says Satan is one passage in the Greek. It says he's paralyzed. And so here you've got this opportunity. Somebody comes to you and says, you've got an opportunity to make $10 million. How many like to have that opportunity? Make $10 million and you can you can make this $10 million in a half an hour. I mean, th- that sounds good. But now immediately when somebody comes up and tells you that, the first thing you're gonna say is, what do I have to do? You've gotta do something for a half an hour. What in the world do I have to do? And they say, oh, all you have to do is get in this boxing ring With the champion. That's all you have to do, and all you have to do is win the rounds. Well, immediately you say, for ten million dollars, he's got to be a champion. There's just no way. And so you, they take you to the boxing ring, and you see this guy. And I'm telling you what, he's sitting on. He's just sitting in the middle of the ring. And he's twenty-five foot tall, sitting down. He's got arms huge, just huge. Not an ounce of fat on him, just looks like he could just take your head and unscrew it like a light bulb. (laughs) Looks powerful. And so, I mean, immediately when you see him, just chills go all, all over you. No way am I getting in the ring with him. But then here comes this little lady. She only weighs 85 pounds soaking wet. And she's got carrying this big bible it's almost as big as she is and she walks up beside you and says i've got news for you i've got some good news number one he's paralyzed man doesn't that make you feel good and then number two he's amplifying himself he's just sitting in front of a big magnifying glass he's only this tall oh man doesn't that feel good See, Jesus said, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Man, let's get in that ring now. <laughs> if you want to, you can tie my hands behind my back, and we're the fight is on. And just, yeah, take that. You big, you no doubt big dummy, you little dummy, you liar. And see, he's paralyzed unless we amplify him by listening to his suggestions. By him taking the word that we have given him and used it against us. We're, that's the reason the Bible says we are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Not a conquer. Romans 8, was it, 32, 37? We're more than a conqueror. A conqueror. And then you've heard me tell this before. And so this is a good illustration. A conqueror is like a boxer. He's been working out for a year every day. You know, like Rocky, you know you know, drinking all them raw eggs. Nasty, you know, nasty. Hard telling what else he's doing. And just abusing his body to get in shape to fight against the champion for a year. And I mean, he's doing without, he doesn't even get any coconut cream pie. Doesn't get one bite because, man, he is training to make sure that everything he's got, he's given his best, win the champion he gets in the ring and man i mean round after round and he's winning most of the rounds but man his jaws broke his his face is all cut and you know he's a bloody mess his eyes are all puffed up his ears are even swollen he's got broken ribs and after the fight is over they lift his hand and he just can't you know like (laughs) adrian You know, he lifts up his hand, and they say, yes, the champion. He won $20 million because he won. He beat this other guy. And then his little wife, you know, here she's 95 pounds, sitting there like this, you know, you know, painting her fingernail polish, painting her fingers while the fight is going on. And the fight is over, and she says, Rocky, I want to go shopping She's more than a conqueror. She didn't have to, and and the Bible says we're more than a conqueror. When you really understand who the devil is, it makes you want to go pick a fight with him. I challenge him in Jesus' name. I'm not running from him. He's the one that has, he's come to kill, steal, and destroy, and he's got our stuff, and I'm going to get it. Did you ever read in the Bible where it says, It says the gates of hell hell shall not prevail against us. Did you ever read that? That's another whole sermon. But did you ever notice that gates, they don't move? Did you ever notice you go down the road and you don't see any gates just walking down the road? Gates are permanent. And the gates of hell, it says that we prevail against the gates of hell. If you want to have victory... You go against the gates of the devil and demon forces. Say, I want to let you know right now, I'm tired of you stealing, stealing my finances. I'm tired of you coming against my family. I'm tired of you you, you you stealing my health and the health of my love. And I come against you in the name of Jesus. I'm not running from you. I'm not afraid of you. You paralyzed, imp, in Jesus' name. I take authority over you. And I'm, I'm, I'm creating now. See, angels are coming for my words. And so now the angels are going to bring in what I need in my life. Amen. Don't be afraid of the devil. He's afraid. He's horrified of you. He's a big, no, he's a little tiny ding bat. And he's paralyzed. He has no power. This is so profound. People are missing it. It's that little member right under your nose. And that's the reason why in the book of James it says, a big ship is controlled by the smallest member. You know that rudder. And he says, and he says, so is a human being controlled by the smallest member of their body, their tongue. Some people say, well, I don't believe that. Well, you don't believe the Bible. And if you want to change your destiny, change your vocabulary. Don't even let an idle word out of your mouth. Amen. Amen. Isn't God me? Amen. He said you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. Amen. We're just gonna take back everything the devil has stolen. Taking it back, taking it back, amen. I'm telling you what, that we're gonna be like the children of Israel. Read Psalm 105 again. The Bible says it was over two million people of God's people, Old Testament. And it says there wasn't a feeble one amongst them. They learned the authority they had in the Old Testament to where even, if you said it in the, in the Hebrew, not even a common cold could register on them. Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And it says they left, they stripped the Egyptians. Now don't say that in Psalm 105, but if you look in the, the other chapters in the Old Testament that correlate with that. It says they stripped them of all their gold, all their silver, and all their money. And that's what we're going to do. I mean, we can the, the, the sinners... They either gonna have, they're either going to have to get saved or they're going to give us their stuff. Amen. I prefer them to get saved, but if they don't want to, we're taking their stuff. We're going to use it for the kingdom of God. And, and the fact of the matter is, a crazy person doesn't, doesn't deserve wealth. They don't deserve wealth. A crazy person doesn't. And, and a crazy person, they don't know how to use it. And anybody's crazy that's going to hell. Anybody's crazy. They're not in their right mind to reject divine life. And so they they, they shouldn't have anything because they're just messed up. So we're the ones that have a sound mind. So we speak to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Show us where the riches are. Amen. Show us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I remember hearing this on the news not too long ago. There's a, a man, not, not a Christian. You know, he doesn't live for God at all over in one of these uh, far eastern countries and lives in a house that's just like a billion-dollar house. And one of his cars is a, like a Rolls Royce, and it's painted with diamonds. The car is just, that's what it is. The car, the paint job, is total diamonds. The guy is a multi-trillionaire. Well, he gets cancer and finds out your number. And you pray for him and he gets healed of cancer. And you just tell him, look, I'm going to tell you something right now. I can pray for you and you're going to be free of cancer because we have a name, a it's above every name. And you're going to be healed, but I want to tell you right now that I've got something better for you than being free of cancer. I can tell you how you can live forever, how you can have eternal life, and you can have divine life in this earth, and that's better. That's better. And so they accept. He said, "Well, let me have that," and you give it both to him. And he said, "Well, there's no, you know, there's no sense in me having all this money." And since you've got a right mind, you know what to do with it. Here, take 90% of it. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. I don't care how God does it. It's ours in Jesus' name. It's ours in Jesus' name. What a good God we serve. Amen. Well, Jennifer, I've got some good news for you. It's good. You don't have to be afraid. I've got good news for you. In the realm of the spirit, now, you've never been here before, but so let me just lay a little groundwork first, okay? Remember what I said? Jesus said that in Luke chapter 11. You don't have to be afraid. It's, it's going to be good, I promise you. But Jesus said, whatever is not for me, is against me and then he said immediately that anything is not foreign they explained was an evil spirit and so evil spirits come to kill and destroy and sometimes we don't recognize it and but that's that's the root of our problem sometimes we just think well I, I just need to get a better job or I need to get two or three jobs or whatever and we try to cure the problem with natural solutions our mental solutions and and this is what I see. There has there, there's been a, a spirit from the pits of hell that Satan assigned to you, that has kept you defeated most of your life, kept you from enjoying the best, having the best. And he told you, he said, Jennifer, you'll never. And and you started settling for it, and you because you just thought it was God, but it isn't God. It's a, a lie from the pits of hell, and that spirit. It's just like he's got a strap around you with a chain and he just kind of leads you where he wants to lead you in defeat and unhappiness and we're gonna and it's going to change today. Amen. We're going to get rid of that spirit. Is that all right? And then what? everything that the devil has stolen, God's going to turn it for good. Is that all right? In fact, the Bible says in the, in the book of Psalms, it says that uh, what Satan, when we catch an enemy that we get a sevenfold return, seven times more than everything they stole. And so, it's yours, Jennifer. But the main thing what you're going to, have to do is watch what you're saying. That gives them authority. But let's just get rid of him right now, okay? You're you're going to feel this. Close your eyes. Everybody, stretch forth your hand towards Jennifer. It's just it, it's a strap. It's just what it looks like it's an evil spirit, but he's just wrapped around your body, predominantly your torso area. And it's just like he's got a chain that's hooked to that. Just like a, a, a dog that has a, a, a leash around it or a, 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 a collar and then a, a leash. Well, that's what, and it's a strong chain. The chain is so huge. It's, a, it's, a, it's it's a demonic force that has held you back. In Jesus' name, I break that force I break that demon spirit, leave her alone. Now, in Jesus' name, and leave this building. Take your chains of defeat with you. Chains of discouragement, chains of fear, chains of torment, chains of poverty, lack, chains of sickness, leave her disease. Leave now, in Jesus' name, and leave this building. And leave the state of Missouri in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name, I speak to her angels that they just whisper in her ears impressions and thoughts of encouragement that now she can do all things through Christ who strengthens her. Amen. 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 Diego, now, now, Jennifer, here's what I see. And you're you're, you're such a, a young lady that I would think, you know, and that's the reason I can't let my mind get in the way. But there has a, a spirit that is also, so that spirit led in another spirit that is affecting your your health and uh, I I see him in the chest region it looks like it would be affecting your heart and uh, so we're just gonna get rid of that. Have you had chest pains or anything of that nature? I had a heart attack and two stents. You had a heart attack and two stents. Okay well we're just gonna get rid of that spirit. Okay so uh, how long ago was that Jennifer? Six years ago. Six years? Well, let's just pray. In Jesus' name, I take authority over that spirit. I see you in their chest region. I, it looks like it might not only affect your heart, but maybe your lungs. I command you to leave in Jesus' name. Yep, that's right. He's affected the lungs like he's going to try to give you, like, cancer in your lung, especially in that, that left lung. But in Jesus' name, we serve you notice. We command you to leave. Leave that chest region, leave her heart, her lungs right now, in Jesus' name, and don't you ever come back. We have authority over you. We command that whole chest region right now. See that warmth you feel, Jennifer? That's God's love, his approval on your life. He wants you to know that you're valuable and precious to him, and he wants you to know that everything that has been stolen, that God now is going to return it back to you with compounded interest, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How much better you feel now, Jennifer? Then God, a good God. Oh, well, He's the greatest. Amen. He's God greatest. is such a good God. He's gonna take care of me now. That's right. I gave all my giving. Yeah, he's gonna take. He's gonna take care of me. Thank you so much. Amen. God's a good God. Isn't he? Amen. What a great God we serve. Amen. I know it's C-H.